Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Jesus is. This is about meeting the one you thought you knew. It's kind of a weird title. Because sometimes, how many of you ever experienced this? You've known about someone only to having actually meet them in person. They're very different than what you thought. Now, that could go both ways. Maybe this was in school. That person who seemed like the bully, only to get to know them, you're like, oh, they're a nice person. Or maybe the other way around. You thought they looked so nice, and they turned out to be one of the mean girls. <laughs> you know how many of you ever experienced that? Someone you've known kind of from a distance, or maybe you just kind of heard about them. And, and then, but when you really get to know this, like, you are nothing like I thought you were. I remember this experience, there's two people I remember meeting, and I'm not saying these names to name drop because, and please don't get me wrong, these were like really quick passings. It's not like we're best buds or anything. One of them was a person by the name, name of Dr. Carolyn Leaf. You might recognize her name. She is a Christian. She's a neuroscientist, and she's written quite a few books. She does a lot of teaching on brain health. And I remember the first time I was at a conference, and she was there, and we were in the, same, in the lounge, and I'm like, oh, I heard she was there. This is going to be so exciting. And I just, you know, you kind of have a, an image about, like, a doctor lady, and especially when she uses, like, like, neuroscience stuff. You're like, you're smart. Like, you're using words. I have no idea what you're saying. And so there's kind of this idea, this persona that kind of goes with doctors, yes? Okay, so she walks into the room, and I, I was like, what? <laughs> She's this short little thing. I think she's under five foot tall, tiny, petite little thing. And she's just got this cute little South African accent. I'm not even going to try to do it. But it's just like, and she's just this, and she's you know, actually kind of quiet. And I'm like, wow, you are nothing like I thought. Like I thought you were like one of the, the preteens that was coming in from, you know, wherever. The other one was Joyce Myers. This was hilarious. This was in a lobby at a conference. And this was back in the day, some of you that have been here long enough remember the days of my short, spiky red hair. Who remembers that? Oh, who cheered back there? You guys need to go, like, go away. <laughs> you can go on old website pictures and find them. But I was standing in the lobby, and here comes Joyce Meyer. If you're not familiar with Joyce Meyer, I understand a lot of people you might not. She is probably one of the most amazing, powerful Bible teachers in the world today. I think it's been 45 some years she's been teaching the Bible. She's got a, sh a TV show, but also conferences. Her books, she's written so many books. She's a powerhouse, and she was there, and we were in the, in the stand in the lobby. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, there's Joyce Meyer, there's Joyce Meyer, there's Joyce Meyer. It's like, this is crazy. And she comes right over to me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's coming to me. I was like, what am I going to say to Joyce Meyer? And she comes over, and she lifts up her hand to my head. I'm like, oh, is she going to pray for me? This would be so cool. And she goes, I sure do like your red hair. <laughs> she goes, I don't think I can pull that off. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I was expecting this real, like, you know, I mean, she walks on stage and she's just so powerful. You expect, like, she's just going to be all serious and she starts, you know, she's cracking jokes. You know, I think Jesus, you know, meeting somebody, you can know about him. And then when you meet him, he's completely different. 
than what you would have thought. And I think this is actually the story of Jesus' life. There has never been another human being who simultaneously was the biggest letdown and surprise at the same time. Now, some of you are like horrified that I said Jesus is a letdown. (laughs) To the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, and also the Jewish zealots, they were the crazy guys that were trying to bring about the kingdom of God through violence, through retaliation against the current Roman government who was oppressing them. To the religious leaders and to the zealots, Jesus was the biggest letdown because this so-called Messiah that everybody was kind of hinting he might be, this was nothing like the Messiah that they had in mind. The Messiah was supposed to come in and usher in the kingdom of God so all the oppressors would be taken over and judged and put in their place. Jesus was not doing that. But at the same time, oh man, He was the greatest surprise because those who did start to wake up to the fact this guy is more than what we thought because he's saying he's a Messiah. But surprise, he's not just a Messiah. This is God in the flesh. Now, they didn't know that part right away. But things started to click. And this is what the Gospel of John is actually about. You know, if you've joined us on our online devotional reading, we are going through the Gospel of John. If you haven't and you want to jump in, you can still jump in. But there's something about the Gospel of John that is a unique Gospel. And this is what we're looking at. Stories of Jesus, stories from the Gospel of John in this series. Because, see, the gospel of John is doing, he's, the whole gospel is about introducing us to Jesus, the God-man. And John kind of does it in a very unique way. Listen to this. John 1.1, he starts, in the beginning. Now, let's just pause on those three words there. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning, what does that sound like? It sounds like another story, another book. And if you were Jewish, you knew exactly where this phrase was coming from. In the beginning, the first three words in the Genesis story, the first book in the Bible. This is no coincidence, this is no accident. That John is starting out his gospel with in the beginning. You know what he's showing? John is starting out his good news message about Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh. He's starting it out with this poem. And what he's revealing with this in the beginning is take note. The whole story that follows in the next 21 chapters of this book This is a new Genesis story. God is still present. And this Genesis story, this story isn't going to get hijacked by humans. 
who wreck things and open the door to darkness and evil overtaking creation, overtaking all earth. See, John's epistle was a good news story. That's what the, that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. What was it good news about? It wasn't good news that you can have your sins forgiven and go to heaven someday with Jesus. That's not what that good news means. The good news literally meant there is a new king and a new kingdom who's setting up a long-awaited kingdom here on earth, and it's arriving ahead of schedule, and it's a kingdom different than what you could have ever imagined it was. It's God's kingdom, but it's coming in a different way, guys. Guess what? John is announcing in this good news message that something had changed and was changing. Let's listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now we hear that, and we think, what had changed? John is talking about a true light that had come and was coming into the world. Now, why in the world is John going off about light? There's a lot of light in there. The true light, the light, the light. He come to darkness. The light shines in the darkness. The life was the light of man. There was a man sent from God. He came to testify about the light. He was not the light, but the true light gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. That's the light. Why is he talking about light? Well, we need, I'm going to give you some background about this. And this is where it gets very interesting. John wrote this gospel. John was one of Jesus' disciples. John wrote this gospel somewhere about 90 AD. That was 60 years after Jesus had ascended to the Father. After his resurrection. After he had ascended. After the Holy Spirit was released to God's, to the apostles, to the disciples who had been waiting. It had been 60 years John was sitting on this story. That's a long time. In between that time, there was a lot of persecution that was going on. In between that time, the whole city of Jerusalem fell. The temple was destroyed. For some part of that time, John had been exiled on an island called Patmos, which is in the Mediterranean Sea. Exile means you're there by yourself, people. It's like castaway, Tom Hanks. He had no Wilson. But what was also going on during this time, during 60 years, the church that had been birthed, the church that was starting to grow and spread all over the Mediterranean and even into Asia, during this time, the church was struggling and it was facing its own woke ideology. See, there was a belief system that was floating around at that time that had actually started by a guy named Simon. 
who used to be a magician, and you can read his story in the book of Acts. Simon Magnus was his name. And he started out, it looks like in Acts he has this encounter with God, but then he goes like sideways. He gets offended for some reason. And he starts this movement that actually becomes massive because over the next decades, there's this belief system that's starting to pervade all of society. And this woke ideology wasn't just about people pushing back against the power structures. It was a woke ideology that was pushing back and trying to erode the very structures of life itself. It was an ideology, ideology called gnosis or Gnosticism, and there's some debate about when that, when whichever one started, but gnosis is kind of like this this precursor to something that would grow a lot stronger in the decades to come. And this understanding of Gnosis was this. It was basically spirit is good, matter is evil. Your body, it's evil. Anything of substance, anything you can touch, creation, a human body, that's evil. And see, what Gnosis, what Gnosticism believed, there's this, that there was this essence. It was called this pleroma, this divine mind that permeated everything. It was like this force, this divine mind that was kind of like out there. And the goal of life or salvation involved escaping the body when you die so that you could go be one with this mind. Now, let me read you from one of the documents that was very popular with this movement at the time. It says, it goes like this, then said Poimandries, and Poimandries, it's this name for this mind. He said to me, have you understood what this vision means? That light am I, mind thy God who was before the wet nature which appeared out of darkness. The luminous word which came forth from mine is Son of God. That which sees and hears in you is the word of the Lord, and your mind is God the Father. Now, if you're reading that going, huh? I didn't understand it. Exactly. It was like, woohoo. But there's some key words in here. I can't help but think they might have been trigger words for John. Son of God, God the Father, the Word. It kind of sounds like what we just read. And I can't help but think that maybe this could have been, who knows, this might have been the trigger. These documents were floating around. John hears about this crap belief system that's floating around. And, and he's like, all right, enough. Wait a minute. Let me tell you about the true light. Let me tell you about the true son of God. Let me tell you about the true word. He is not some impersonal mind. He is God in the flesh. He is not an idea. This God isn't a belief system. He's God in the flesh. Listen to this. John 1.10. He was in the world and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. 
He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John was saying, this isn't some impersonal force that's out there somewhere beneath the pale moonlight. This is God in the flesh. Jesus, the son of God, the living word. And in this poem, this is what's one of the things that we don't quite get because some of the language John used, it just kind of goes over our head. But what he was reinforcing and what he was getting at is, you guys are all caught up in this mind, this belief, this essence, this thing where you think your mind is God. You think you know what's right. You think you know what's best. You think you have this special knowledge, this insight, this essence. And John's like, no. There is a personal God who comes to you. You don't have to try to attain the special knowledge and get to him. No, this God has left everything and he's come to you in the flesh. God in the flesh, and he dwelt among us. And even that, people are going, they were going, what? There's God in the flesh? Flesh is bad. Flesh is evil. That's why this opening of John's message, this is revolutionary. But what he's revealing is God in the flesh. This is a God who comes to you. He comes to be with you, to turn the light on and bring you out of the darkness that you feel so trapped in. What is that darkness? Now we're sitting here in a lit up room. We take light for granted. I mean, we leave our lights on 24 seven. It's true. We don't know. We've kind of become conditioned in ways that aren't really good for us. And we forget, or maybe we don't. Maybe when you hear something like darkness, there's something in you that twinges, and you're like, man, you know what the darkness for us today is? Anxiety. That is a darkness you are not meant to own. There's nothing that makes me want to go, shut up, and grab people's lips and just yank them. When somebody says, my Anxiety. Oh man, if you come near me and you say that, I'm gonna smack your lips. <laughs> I'm gonna grab them, I'm gonna shove them shut, and say, don't say that again. <laughs> right up there is my depression. Smacking those lips shut. <laughs> but come on, this is the darkness that we live in. Anxiety is not a state you were meant to manage for the rest of your life. There is a light, the true light of the world that came in the flesh and turned on the light for your darkness. The darkness 
of confusion. The confusion over who you are, the confusion of your purpose, the confusion over identity, the confusion over what am I here for, the confusion about, God, I don't understand why I'm in this circumstance right now. I felt like I was doing the best I could. I followed all of the things everybody said. Do this, follow this, set your goals, set your 10-year goals, map it all out, and you'll have what you want. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Or maybe it's the other category. God, I followed you. I gave you my life like we just sang. I built my life on Jesus. He never let me down. And I feel like you're letting me down now. Because this, whatever this is, is very dark. And I might have a hard time seeing hope at the end of the tunnel. Darkness might be secrets. Secrets that keep you bound. Secrets. The darkness of lostness. That lostness of knowing that everybody around me feels to have a handle on life, but I have no clue. I have a great family, I have a great job, my business is thriving, I have awesome degrees. I have a beautiful spouse, and I feel lost. And if anybody knew, see, that's the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Can you say that with me? Say, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. One more time. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. I love that. Let me read it to you. Listen to this in the voice. John 1, 5 in the voice. It says, a light that thrives in the depths of the darkness. Isn't that great? Light actually thrives in the depth of darkness. There is no need for light if it's already light. Hello. Come on, how many of you have those cool-looking, cute little Edison lights hanging up outside? Somewhere at your house. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, come on, you guys have them hanging up. There's no shame in that. They're useless at noon. Except maybe January, then it's kind of dark. <laughs> Most of the time, they're useless. When are the lights, when do, they, when do they really go, oh, this is a beautiful feeling? It's when it's dark. The light thrives in the depths of darkness. It blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. Oh, I love that. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness. It blazes through the murky bottoms. You know what's murky? Murky is when you're trying to get direction in life. It's where you're trying to hear. I can't hear God. People talk about hearing God. People talk about getting wisdom, getting direction. I hear nothing. That's murky bottoms. But it's a light that thrives in the depths of darkness. It blazes through the murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. This is a verse. If you want to memorize a verse, this is a verse you take and you begin to quote it against the darkness when it tries to rise up. When anxiety tries to flare up. You know what you need? You don't need to go isolate and hole up at home and be scared. You need to say to that anxiety, you need to say, a light that thrives in the darkness came to this world. It blazes through the murky 
rocky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. And that light is Jesus Christ, and he is the light of my life. You have no right anxiety. You have no right depression. Some of you have owned things, and you're praying and trying to get through, but you're owning something, you're hanging on to it, and God will not rip it out of your hands. And the question today is, will you exchange your darkness for his light? Will you do that? But that's not the only darkness he came to free us from. I'm going to jump ahead to another story. John 9. Oh, this is such a good story. Listen to this. John 9, 1. As he, Jesus, was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither, <laughs> Jesus said. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. How many of you just like go? How many of you glad you weren't one of the disciples then? It's like, Jesus, what the heck are you talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> he goes on. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So everyone say light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus had made this statement just earlier, 812. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. After he said these things, oh, Jesus, you're great. He spit on the ground, made some mud. Good thing the guy was blind. Made some mud from the saliva and spread it on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus said. Wash in the pool, Siloam, which means sent. So he left, he washed, and came back seeing. Now, before we get caught up with the mud spit thing, <laughs> that's not really the point. What is interesting is that right alongside Jesus making one of his I am declarations, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. Right after that, he heals a blind man. Now, do you think there's some significance in that? Yes. What is the significance? It's this. Jesus, the light of the world, comes not just to free us out of the darkness that we are very aware of. But he comes, the light of the world, to heal us and free us and liberate us from our own form of blindness. The darkness we are not aware of that resides in us. Where we're in the dark about the stuff in us that we don't know about. John 12, 46, Jesus said again, I'm here to bring light in this world, freeing everyone who believes in me from the darkness that blinds him. You know, there's something about, there's something about light that brings clarity, yes? 
When you shine the light on, it's just like, oh, now I see what that is. And this is another way of what Jesus was trying to reveal, what John was trying to introduce us to about Jesus, about this God-man in the flesh. He's the light of the world, not just coming to blast you free of all the darkness that you really want to get rid of. He's coming to turn the light on and heal you from the blindness to the stuff in you that is destroying you that you don't know about. Imagine an x-ray. Imagine scans, those kind of x-rays where they shine a certain light and they show, oh, that's where that issue is. You've got a broken rib. That's why you can't breathe right. Oh, this is a broken bone. That's why you're in pain. That x-ray turns the light on so that we can see what's wrong. And see, this is how Jesus, the light of the world, works. When we bring ourselves into the light of God's word, into the light of God's presence. He shines the light on the stuff in us that we didn't even know was there. And when he reveals it, that can be uncomfortable. That can be painful. How many of you ever experienced this? coming to church and you want to run right out that door back out to your car some of you purposely come in 20 minutes late so you miss worship and don't worry I'm not singling anybody out because I don't know who you are I just know that that's a reality because the presence of God that light it's turning on and it's showing you stuff that you need to deal but you can't, that you need to let the light of God's presence. Or maybe it's just like, I, just, I, don't, I never read my Bible. I don't understand it. Is that really it? Or does this light kind of make things uncomfortable? Where we, we want to avoid prayer, avoid reading our Bibles. See, all of that, it's a way we bring ourselves into the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was the, and that light was the life. See, this Word turns the light on in our soul. And you know, it's just like when you've been asleep for a long time, and somebody flicks the light on in your bedroom, and you're just like, shut that thing off. Sometimes that's what's going on in our soul and we might not be consciously thinking of it. But when we want to avoid the presence of God, when we avoid the word of God, when we avoid times with God, when we avoid gathering in the community where the presence of God is, that light, sometimes that's an indication. It's like, hey, there's stuff in there. There's attitudes. There's broken stuff. There's offense, there's resentment, there's hurt, there's trauma. You are a bad person. Can you just say that with me? This goes against everything. Just say, I'm a bad person. I am. Now that flies in the face of every little happy Pinterest meme out there. You are awesome. You're not. You suck. We all suck. 
We are horrible, terrible sons of darkness is what the Bible describes us as. You are all children of the dark. <laughs> we live in a world that says, you're awesome. And then our algorithm feeds us, you're awesome. You're awesome. You suck. I suck. Without Jesus, we are hopelessly lost. And so usually what happens when the light turns on, one of two things usually happen and usually both of them. The first thing that happens is the enemy, oh man, he is right there on the heels. As soon as the light turns on, he is right there to bring accusation. Ah ha ha, see, there it is. Anybody finds out about that? They're not gonna like you. God is so mad about that thing in you. You are a horrible, horrible person. And then he usually brings shame. Oh, if anybody finds out about that, jeez, no one is going to want to have anything to do with you. But you know what our response? You know the power, the authority that was given to us through the name of Jesus, through a relationship with Jesus, through me abandoning who I am on my own and saying like Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. See what gives me what my response should be when I hear that voice, when I'm reading my Bible and something twinges in me, I'm like, oh, I don't like what I'm feeling inside. This feels gross. We don't numb that. You don't get rid of that. You acknowledge it. You say, you're right. You are right, devil. You know what? That is in me. That horrible attitude, that lust, that lying, that anger, that bitterness, that trauma, that stuff is in me, but that does not define me because Jesus Christ took all of that darkness on the cross. Why was it dark from noon till three o'clock? It was because he was taking into himself all of the darkness that would be in us, all of the darkness that would be on us, and he would forever destroy its power to hold us captives by taking it to the grave. And that's why we say, some of you, you need to get more excited about this. This is way more exciting than the Oilers scoring a goal and winning a game. I want to invite you to stand because some of you are itching to do that. And stuff is going to get broken off today. But there is a light that shines in the darkness. And see, you will always have your own darkness unless you surrender to Jesus Christ. There is no middle ground. You are either with him in the light or you are not. There is no straddling in the kingdom of God. There is a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The light, it was made for the darkness. And we need to be able to be those who stand and say, I have been crucified with Christ. In fact, this is what we're gonna do right now. If anyone here, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ where you have that certainty of who you are as a child of God, if you are watching online and you're saying, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus, we're gonna pray this prayer and it's actually a verse. Galatians 2.20 and it's a, way of make, it's a way of making a declaration with our words of where our life is anchored and it goes like this I am crucified with Christ you can pray this with me I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who lives 
but Christ lives in me and the life I now live I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me thank you Jesus that I am made new in you amen we hope today's message encouraged you if you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.